Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me on this podcast is Connor Carr. How are you, Connor? I'm good. How are you, mate? Yeah, pretty good. So we're bringing back our Tim Talk podcast. So this is the uh, first one that we're doing over this off-season leading into the next season. So um, thanks for jumping on for a chat, Connor. I appreciate that. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Okay, so what we're going to do is we'll just get straight into our uh, usual spiel at the start of the podcast. So if you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the South Down Under podcast. We appreciate all your support. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you haven't given us a like on there, you can find us on there at Celtic Down on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, we've got a group and a, and a page, Celtic Down Under, so you can like us on there as well. But now that's all to the side. Connor, first question, how did you become a Celtic fan? Well, I'd say it's probably the same answer as a lot of people is when you're born into it, you know. Um so my dad, my granddad, all that, grew up supporting Celtic. So it's kind of like you just, you're automatically a Celtic supporter. You know, I don't get this modern thing now that some people say, like, oh, I'll let my kid choose what team they want to support. Like, nah, that doesn't fly with me. But um, uh, yeah, so I I kind of, I'd always watch Celtic. I'd always like had like a passing interest in it. I'd never gotten like properly properly obsessed until about like six, seven years ago and it kinda um came and turned with the find out that my my dad had cancer so it was kinda like a way to like feel like I could get like closer to like my dad. So that's when I'd proper got like like bitten by the bug is you know if you want to put it like that as in like I became absolutely like obsessed with like transfers, you know who's coming in, who's going out, who's the potential targets, you know, who'll be playing next week, who'll be in the week after, how's their form, oh, I better go and watch this team at this certain time to see how they play against Celtic, that kind of thing. So that's kind of just how it worked out. Yeah, it makes sense. It's um always good to have that thing you can just, you know, have a chat with the old man about and, you know, bond over. So that's, that's great to hear. As you said, a lot of us are the same way, like we're born into it, so... We don't really have much of a choice, but it's always great when you are born into it, but then you suddenly is like, nah, I want to get into this further. This has mm-hmm. been my family's team for years. This is my team now. Let's let's go. Let's get around the boys and see how they see what's what. So it's good to hear. Yeah. So your next question for you is what is your take on the club structure at present? Now, this is just in general. So that could be first team squad like recruitment, that could be coaching, that could be do we need a director of football? There's a whole bunch of different variables on club structure. So I'd love to hear what you think of that. And I'd also love to hear about what you think of the job Ange has done in the 12 months today that he's been the manager. I know it's big Ange's anniversary, so I think we should all be a bit uh, you know, grateful today. You know, I'm seeing a lot of like even just this morning, um I'm seeing like a lot of videos on Twitter and stuff of people reposting like, you know, his first day came in and, you know, uh, this is when he came in and, uh, you know, I think of how far we've come in the 12 months since, but, yeah, it's been absolutely incredible, I think. So the structure of the club, I think, I think there's positive signs we're going in the right direction. However, I'm not 100% convinced that this board is going to all of a sudden do, like, a 180 and become, like, this amazing group of guys who's got the club's best interests at heart. I think that if, if people are viewing it as that, it's a little bit naive just because, you know, the manager has been backed pretty well in the past 12 months and, you know, they can, they kind of had to... People like, oh, give kudos to the board because, you know, oh, the back dance, like, they didn't have, like, a choice. We had an absolute honking season last year. And we had so many, we essentially had to rebuild an entire first team because we had that many, you know, big players going out. So it was either that or nothing, you know. And if we had had another season like like the season beforehand, then I have no idea what would have, would have, would have been happening this season. I think there would have been full-scale riots inside the stadium because it just wouldn't be good enough. But... I think the one area where we're kind of, but would say we're most being let down, is probably on the youth side. 
now we've got for the first time we've had, you know, like a like a B team, like a B team being like in the league, like the Colt team, playing in the Lowland League, and they're getting they're gaining that experience. Like they're not playing against like kids and stuff. They're playing against full grown adults. You know, they're getting that physicality. Physicality. They're getting that experience playing against, you know, um, proper footballers. So the way the lack of like. I'd see youth coming through, especially considering now players like Carrington and Belly's fully out of contract. We have no idea what's happening there. I think he's away. Ben Dokes just went to Liverpool. You know, the the young goalkeeper Toby Oyemi is apparently getting great write ups, but he's not had a sniff of first team football this season. And there's been plenty of opportunities. You know, say we've been like four or five nil cruising up last twenty minutes, just get him on, but. You know, I think um, that's an area where we do need to try and invest. And maybe because it's been confirmed that we're having another season, the B team's having another season in, like, the Lowland League, that that could open some doors. But I'm not 100% convinced, because if you think about it, when's the last time that we've genuinely had a proper Celtic youth product come through the academy and make some proper impact? Callum McGregor, Anthony Ralston after this season, which I want to talk about Anthony Ralston later, especially after that Scotland game, because, you know, after, you know, he was announcing that team and, you know, the fans of a certain club were kind of giving it, giving it big licks about, oh, Ralston's played, we're going to be 1-0 down already. You know, after he kind of scored that goal and had man of the match, you know, they kind of, it was kind of like that Homer Simpson meme where they retreated back into the bushes and never said another word, so... But yeah, the structure of the club's pretty... Can I just talk about things you brought up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've spoken about who was the last guy to make the breakthrough. It's either going to be Stephen Welsh or mm-hmm. Mikey Johnson, and they're not even full first-team regulars. So if yeah. you go back before that, then, yeah, you're at Cole McGregor. That's pretty much where you're at with that. Actually, it would have been Kieran Tierney. He would have yeah. been the last who we all kind of forget about because he's gone. He's been gone a few seasons, but he would have been the last one to full-on break through from the academy. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you what you're saying on the youth side. We've got some good young players. We've, we've leaked a lot of talent over the last few years. For me, I think it's a, a combination of the, the pressure in terms of we were going for the 10 we had to chase the 10. We couldn't afford to blood the kids. I think that was a major factor in why we lost guys to your Bayerns, your Man Cities, everywhere else. They all just moved on for that reason. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no pathway until last season with the Lowland League coming in. Where were these kids going to play? You're playing youth games where you're playing maybe like 20 games a season. It's good to see them playing in the Lowland League and playing against men, but I still personally think there's a massive gap between Lowland League level and playing for mm-hmm. Celtic in the premiership there needs to be that bridging club that we have a good agreement with whether that's a club like a Falkirk I'm just picking random names here someone who's around that championship level league one level sort of thing mm-hmm. where lowland league go on loan to a couple of select clubs at that level play a year or two there or even you get clubs like in the lower lower level of the top league with us so you know, like your Dundees, your Dundee Uniteds, whatever, send some guys there for a season and then see you make the breakthrough. There has to be a stepping stone. It has to be structured so the players know, if I do my job and I play well, my next pathway from the Colts is to go on loan for six months to a year. Then from there, it's to be a young guy breaking into the first team. That's how it needs to be set up and structured. And I know Ange, that he loves to bring through young guys. He's done it everywhere he's been. So i think long-term it'll happen, but we've got to get the structure right at the club first before that is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And you mentioned Toby as well. Unfortunate thing for him, quality player. From what I've seen and what I've heard, he's one for the future. But the thing is, Barkas leaving, great, whatever. But for me, I think Toby needs a season on loan out at, say, whether it was to go to a Dundee United or to go to a Xander Clark leaves St. Johnson perfect, go there for a season, get first-team football for a year, and then we'll look to bring him through because 
He's not going to knock Joe Hart out of the squad at this yeah. point in time. So he needs to go out and get some first-team experience. That's where he's at that level of that structure I said. He's played at Colts. Now he needs first-team football to look to make the break-in with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. you were So you're touching on um, Ralston. You said you wanted to say something about him. Yeah, I think he's kind of just proved absolutely everybody wrong. You know, there's there's a whole there's there's players that can do it at club level, players can do it at international level, and there's players can do it at both. I think Anthony Ralston the other night has proved they can absolutely do it at both. I genuinely think that that performance that he put in was so good that he is possibly challenging for starting right back for Scotland because while. I like Patterson as like a Scotland player. Like that's the thing with me is like if you put on a Scotland shirt, you're a Scotland player. I don't care if you play for Rangers, if you play for like Everton, Hibs, Hearts, whoever. As soon as you pull on that shirt, you're a Scotland player. I don't care. You could score an absolute belter and win us like the World Cup. No one ever happened. Like I know it'll never happen. But you could do that and I would go absolutely mental. I'd go tonto because I don't care because you're a Scotland player. But I think Ralston's kinda of shown, you know, that He's incorporated everything he's learned under Ange, you know, um, the past season into that Scotland side. Like, there was, it was a couple of times, not a lot, where he was kind of you know, cutting inside, um, coming out, and then he was like crossing balls in the box, and they were good balls as well. That's the thing I've always said about Ralston is like, his ball delivery into the box has been pretty stellar. That's why, you know, he was what, only behind assists for what James Tavernier this season, you know, so. You know, it's it's not it's not a fluke. It's not you know just a what one season wonder type of thing. He has proven that he's good enough. You know, he's good enough for Celtic. He's good enough for Scotland. So, I think he's, you know, he's also very physical. But I don't think the other two are where the other right backs are. You know, he's really really strong. He's called the Bricky for a reason, for God's sake. So, I think yeah, I think it's just it's just testament. You know, to the way that Ange is, you know, transformed them as a player and that that also helps but the player does that as well. You know, they you know, the manager can only do a certain thing. The player has to have the mentality, has to have, you know, the the willpower to go and do it themselves. So I think yeah, Anthony Ralston's definitely, you know, a a possible shining light in this Scotland team going forward. Yeah, on that, it's like it's not like you look at the left back position, particularly for Scotland and you've got Tierney, Robertson and then you've got Taylor as like a third stringer sort of thing, right? So yeah. there's a lot of talent. You look at your right back position, there's not a lot there. You've got, no. as you said, you've got Patterson, you've got O'Donnell, and you've got uh, the Bricky, Ralston. So yeah. you look at the, the difference between the two positions, and it's like probably strongest position in the whole overall Scotland squad, squad up against one of the weaker positions. But for me, I think Ralston, if he – keeps doing what he's doing, he can make that position his own because O'Donnell's, what, early 30s, 30, yeah. 31, something like that. Patterson is a real young kid coming up. What's he, like 19 or something like that, 19, 20. He's one for the future. But in the current here and now, that position for the next three, two, three, four years is there to be one, and that's something that Ralston could knock down and say, that's mine, come try and win the jersey off me. And mm-hmm. Good luck doing it. Yeah, definitely made a good case for himself so far. Yeah, but let's not let's not blow too much wind up his ass here. It's only one game in the in the national team, so um, it's yeah. good to see him in there though. So my next question for you is off the back of what we've discussed so far. How do you think our recruitment has been at the club over the last twelve to eighteen months? I was. I'll put it. I'll put it. I'll, I'll sum it up in one thing. It was New Year's Eve. And we got like a notification to on my phone, and it was just Celtic. And they put up this little clip, and it was just like a, like the Japanese style like music and like background. And I'm like, what's this? And I know, but like the players, but like the transfer window isn't even open yet. And I think what well, 15 minutes later, boom, right, Yoshida uh, Gucci, Dyson Maeda, and Yohitai are joining Celtic, all on like long term deals. Well, Dyson Maeda was a lot with a loan with an obligation to buy. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm like, this is this is when's the last time this happened? I genuinely can't remember. When's the last time Celtic actually got their act together when it came to transfers? You know, um 
and done it even before the window is even opened. You know, that's just doesn't happen with Celtic. Usually we're waiting to the last minute at the at the deadline day window to close where we can sign someone, no. Um but I think I think it's been really good. I think it could have been better in some areas, but you know, I think maybe being a little bit greedy, but I think it's definitely been good. We've strengthened the positions we've needed to strengthen. Some of them may have been like surprises, like Joe Hart, because you know, Joe Hart's been amazing and I love him to bits, but he's not Angie's signing. He's not a typical Angie signing, really, because, you know, Angie wants a keeper that can play with his feet, and that's how, you know, Joe Hart ended up having to leave Man City and then get on with a Tottenham and things like that, you know, because. You know, Pep said that he can't play with the ball at his feet. But I think last he's learned. Time, last time Celtic signed a goalkeeper because they were good with their feet, it was Doris DeVries. So yeah. at, the end of the, at the end of the day, um, I think Joe Hart's a bit of an upgrade on that. And as you said, he wasn't on the Angel signing. Yeah. If he wasn't, if Angel didn't give the okay, he wouldn't be at the club. It's That much yeah. is pretty obvious. He's not, Angel's not the sort that he would have gone out and said, yeah, I want Joe Hart. But at the same time, with the amount of people moving on, there's a leadership void in the club. You know that's what you're going to get from Joe Hart. And, you know, Ange signed off on it and it's worked well. So I'm happy with that. But back to what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as they keep the ball at the back of the net, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's a goalkeeper's main job and Joe Hart can do that. They're the best for him. So he's, he's much better than Polo Mintham's Vasilis Barkas. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. What do you, so. you call him? Polo mints hands, so I don't know if you get them in Australia, but there's these little mints you get in yeah. the UK and they're called polos. And oh, they have, the yeah, they have holes in the middle of them, so that's just okay. what his hands are like. Uh, we call, we'll call them Barkus cabbage hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no good. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I think that's a bit of an upgrade, but yeah, overall, I've, I think the issue with the recruitment in general was this time 12 months ago. We had such a rebuilding job and any Celtic fan, well, except for the ones over here, I suppose, telling you that they expected to win the league last season under Ange would be flat out lying. Mm-hmm. Either, that or, either that or they've been drinking too much of their bong water or something like that because, you know, they're just out of it. But no, this, I think we hung on to some players for too long in mm-hmm. the 10 row season. But since that, We've had a nice little uh, regeneration of the squad, and I think things are charting nicely there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's looking a lot better. Um, I think still some ways to go, but you know, I think also I was speaking to my dad before the start of the season because you know I was very when Postico got announced, I was a, I was a bit like uh, I wasn't like annoyed. I know some people were like, "Ah, oh, the fuck's this thing." What's going on? Who's this guy? I never heard him. I, I was, I was more on the fence. I was like, let's just see where it goes. And as soon as like you got announced, my dad's like, we're not winning the league this year. I was like, no way. I was like, just wait. I was like, just let's just see where it goes. Then obviously, the first few games were kind of up and down, and then you know the rest is history. But yes, and uh, well, it's funny though from us over here seeing, you know, with how it went at the start and in the first seven games or whatever, and then. Oh, he's one or two, one or two games away from the sack. All this sort of stuff, and you just like give him time. I know we don't normally have time in Glasgow. Liam on our podcast, he just come out and said, "If we're within six points at the at the break, we'll win the league." And sure enough, it was bang on exactly what happened. So, and Liam's the guy from our pod. He's based in Japan. I'm over here been watching Ange since '96. So, yeah, it's good to see him go over and do the job. Yeah, what's uh What's the Australian media like when it comes to like football and like skepticism? Obviously, here in Scotland, as soon as one bad result goes your way, it's like, oh, he's on a shookly peg, he's going to get the sack, and all oh, the pressure's mounting. I actually thought Ant was on a hide into nothing, and he was basically being thrown what they call an Australian sport a, a, um, a hospital pass, in that. You know, the way he was being set up with no players not being coming in. And, you know, after the Michelin results, I thought at that point, I'm like, if he's not getting the players he wants and the rebuild isn't happening, then we're going to have issues here. But the media, it's been so different. Like, we normally, you get, AFL gets the main papers, rugby league, 
cricket in summer, horse racing come that time of the year. Football slash soccer over here is probably fourth or fifth. <clears throat> and so we'd get you get a little bit of a write up on the Premier English Premier League, and then you get maybe one or two little paragraphs on what's happened in Scotland. And that's yeah. even Rogic banging in the goals. And now you've got um Ange, it's suddenly it's three or four main things that were like, Oh yeah, we've got to um got to talk about Celtic and we're getting heaps of coverage. You're getting post-game articles from three or four websites. It's in the newspaper. It's yeah, it's just great to um to see. So the coverage has been good, and yeah, they're always going to be like pro and the majority of them because it's a glass ceiling for Australian sport in particular and Australian football. We've proven yeah. our players can do the job in Europe over the years in the English Premier League, in Germany, in Italy, Spain, whatever, going to World Cups, but. We've never had been an exporter of football managers. Andrew's yeah. the first one to leave Australia, win a bunch of leagues here, go overseas, won another league in Japan, and then go to Scotland and wins a league there and a cup there. He's the only one who's actually had success. We've had like Tony Popovich has gone overseas. He's won the equivalent of the Champions League, the Asian Champions League. He won that with Western Sydney, but he went over to Turkey and Greece or something like that. And didn't last long. We had Kevin Musk go over and manage in Greece. No, in Greece, in uh, Belgium. Didn't last long. He's now taken over for Ange over in, um, in Japan. But we've had guys go, but no one's actually had that breakthrough. And Ange has done that. And it's just like a, such a rallying point for the general football public in Australia. It's, it's been unbelievable to see. I think yeah. Celtic has grown a massive supporter base over here on top of what we already had over the last 12 months. Yeah. So back to the um the squad, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about recruitment. So my question to you is what players at the club do you think will be moving on in the next six to 12 months? So I've got the team list up here for you. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through by position mm-hmm. and I'll just say the player's name and you go, yeah or no. Okay, no problem. Scott Bain? No. Barkas, well, he's already off. Yeah. Ross Dewan. Yes. Joe Hart. No. Ryan Mullen. No. Toby Oluwayemi. No. I think he'll go on loan. All right. I think he'll probably stay for another season with the B team. Defence. Bolongoli. Yes. Carter Vickers. No. Why would they put Hattari as a defender? <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant website anyway. Um, Hattari, even though he's a midfielder. <laughs> no. Julian. Yes. Juranovic. No. Ralston. No. Scales. I could see him going on loan. Yeah, I think he'll go on loan to Aberdeen. That's what the talk is, and it seems like a good fit. Then play mm-hmm. some games as an actual centre back, which is what I think is his best position. Mm-hmm. Staff out? No. Taylor? No. And Welsh? Uh, no. The only reason I'd say no to Welsh, I'd love him to go get a full season on loan as well. The only reason I'm saying no to Welsh is because, well, more than likely Julian's going to be going. Mm-hmm. And. Julian spent three years in Scotland. Doesn't really help him, but it changes the list he's on for the Champions League. If he mm-hmm. leaves, then Welsh, we need to keep him to keep our, you know, homegrown sort of levels up. Yeah. Midfielders. Well, Bitton's already gone. Luke O'Connell's yeah. already gone. I thought Joey Dawson's a striker. He'll be in the Colts. Mm-hmm. I'll say no. James Forrest. As a midfielder, as a midfielder, I've got him as a midfielder, as a winger. I <laughs> know. Uh, Itaguchi, no. McCarthy, no. I'm not even going to ask you. It's our captain. No chance in hell McGregor's going anywhere. So we'll skip that one. Owen Moffat. Yes, I can see him maybe getting a one move. 
I was thinking of Landerson Johnson or something like that, or Motherwell would suit him well. Yeah. Oh, this is ridiculous. Dane Murray's a midfielder, apparently, everyone, on this list. <laughs> uh, I can maybe see him getting a loan move as well. Agree. Matt O'Reilly? No. Thomas Peter Rogic has left the building, unfortunately. Broken heart over here. <sighs> Liam, Liam Shaw. Well, he's had a loan at Motherwell, and I don't know how well it went. So I'll say yes, and maybe we'll run it somewhere else again. Sorrow? Yes, he's away. And Turnbull? No. Now for the fun part. Strikers <laughs> slash forwards. A barter. No. A Yeti. Yes. Do you want to drive him to the airport or do I have to fly over to do that? <laughs> I'll take him on a horse and carriage, honestly. I'll do whatever it takes to get him out of this club. Put the straps on him because he's been a donkey. Make him run it. Take the car. Put <laughs> some donkey or something. Get him to run. Yeah. Could do with the running, to be fair. Looking a bit heavy, although I can't say much. Karamoko, he's already off by the looks of it. Kyogo. No. Georges Jackamakis. No. Mikey Johnson. <sighs> it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I, I change on him all the time. For me, sometimes I think a loan deal, like the Christie sort of thing that he had where 18-month loan would suit him and be good just to get a run of games into him. But at other times, I'm like, if Jota doesn't come in, then who do we have at left midfield as a left winger? So that's where the balancing act is for me. I think the I think the Jota deal's done. I think I don't think we do have much to worry about that, like, even though it's yeah. like taking an eternity. Um, because all signs are good. People have been meeting him outside, and apparently he's even yeah. you no know, giving a wee sly thumbs up towards it. So you know, but um, honestly, I'm gonna. This is just. I always thought Mickey Johnson would flourish and be a really great player, but it's kind of not happened, and that's no real, no real fault of his own. He's had bad injuries and stuff like that, but I'm going to say yes, he's going to move on, and I think I could see him moving on permanently just for the good of his career. Like he could, he could do a job at like a Hibs or an Aberdeen. I, I just, don't, I think the ship sailed for him at Celtic. I was just about to say I could see him being the replacement for Martin Boyle at Hibs. Yeah. But I don't want Mikey to become a... Um, Boyle didn't they? Their season just took an absolute nosedive as soon as he left. Yeah, I look at Mikey and go, he's on the edge right now. He's on the precipice of, is he going to become just, a, you know, in two years' time, who, where, who, where, what's he doing? No one knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. or is he going to actually make something of his career? And I think if he stays at Celtic in the current role that he's doing and with his injuries and the stop-start of it, his career is going to fall apart. If he makes a move, whether it's on loan or permanently, he could go down the path of Lewis Morgan. Look at what he's doing over in the US, right? That's yeah. the sort of level I see for Mikey at the moment. Maybe Mikey's a bit more skillful than him, but I just don't see it happening at this point in time for him at Celtic. Although there is. You know how the players do those the little interviews say, oh, who's the best at this, who's the best at that, who's the fastest, blah blah blah. Cream up all the time. A lot of the a lot of the players have said, like, who's the best player that's on the ball? Like who can you never get the ball off? A lot of them say Mikey Johnson. You're like, that's surprising. But it shows that like I'd say he's pretty highly thought of within the squad, so hopefully he can get something that benefits him and the club as well. Hopefully it's just a loan then. You can go to Hibs on loan for 12 months. There you go. There's a there's a solution with a couple of our things. Jota, you've said he's going to sign, so we don't have to worry about that. Johnny Kenny. Loan. Days and Maeda, he's going nowhere because we've just signed him permanently. And the last one for you is Adam Montgomery. Um... I completely forgot Monty was about, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm just noticing a lot of these names and I'm like having to rack my brain. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember these guys from the start of the season when we were getting hammered, what, 
6-2 off West Ham. But um, I'd say loan. Yeah. I was saying if Mikey, if uh, Jota didn't come and Will, and Mikey moved on, who would we have at left left wing? Completely forgot about Monty, so there's an option there. But, yeah, one of those two's got to go on loan. 100%. Yeah. All right. What areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen? Left back for a start. Um, left back, left back, left back for me. Not not because I don't think Taylor's good enough. I think he's good enough domestically. I think he's proven he's good enough domestically. Like, he can cut it. In this league, he was, you know, he was arguably one of the best left backs in the country. But that was when Keelan Tierney was still here. You know, he was the second best left back in the country back then. But he's, he's improved a lot this season. I've never been his biggest fan, and I don't think I ever will be, but I do have to give him massive props for how well he's performed this season. I think he's had some of his best games in the Celtic shirt this season. So um, I do think we need a left-back for like Champions League and European games because I think he has caught lacking in those in those games, whether it's due to like his height or his you know physicality or just as all around play is up for you know discussion. But I do think we need you know a proper European quality left back there, so we don't get caught out. Um, I'd also say maybe another centre back because. Out of the two deals, I think Carter Vickers is like more on the quiet side and that's making me nervous. But although there has been positive signs with him, you know, talking, saying he does want to stay somewhere where he can just play regular football and he'd be happy to stay at Celtic, but it's down to the clubs. And then as soon as I hear, oh, it's down to the clubs, alarm bells start ringing in my head because, you know, the player says he wants to sign, you have, you know, the funds there, you have the figure there, but 6.5, 7 mil, just do it. Just get it over and done with. But Celtic don't want it like that. As apparently, apparently with him at the add-ons, like what Tottenham want after certain after percentages. And so if we sell him on for 30 million or 20 million, what they get off the back of that. And if oh. we make, and if we get to a certain level of Champions League, what they get and all that sort of stuff, like from his point of view, you think it'd be a bit dumb to move on now and have to restart when He's borderline for their World Cup squad. Yeah. And he knows he's going to consistently play at Celtic in the Champions League as well this season. It'd be silly of him to not, not come back. I know, honestly. Just like, honestly, since Celtic should just like accept it. Just like, if Tottenham want like 30% or something or whatever, just like, it's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Because we've not had a centre-back in this league, and I'm talking in this league, because he's much better than you know, the other centre-halves in this country, make no doubt about it. He's the best centre-half I've seen in the league since Virgil van Dijk. Easy. So, I know that's a big statement, but he's easy the best centre-half I've seen since Virgil van Dijk. So, I just, like, I'd be just throwing bags of money at him just and take it. Take it all and come. Because Celtic very regularly... Are, are like left wanting at centre back and have been criticised whether rightly or not because you know I feel like every season Celtic's defence gets criticised despite we've had you know the best defensive record in the league this season yeah. he gets criticised all the time for being a bit shaky and you know things don't look good when there's pressure on them at the back so I think if you've got that absolute rock at the back that's Carter Vickers then I don't think we'll have much to worry about doesn't matter who you partner up. I don't. I don't think it matters who you partner him up with. I think he'd do as good a job with Christopher Julian as he would with Carl Starfield. You know, I think he's that good that he can just work with anybody. So centre back positions. It's more about not Carter Vickers. It's more about okay. We need. I agree with everything you said about left back position. We need a European starting quality left back. Like Taylor's good enough, but when it comes to centre back, I think we need that left footed left-sided centre-back, especially for the Champions League. Starfelt and Carter Vickers together in the league was good enough. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to actually get that left, left-footed left centre-back to play alongside Carter Vickers or alongside Starfelt just for mm-hmm. better balance in the back line, especially going in the Champions League. So I've been seeing Kobe Dukura has been linked with us on and off for ages because he is that left-sided centre-back. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, we need something like that, even if it's not Itakura. Yeah, because he had a good season at Schalke, but obviously they can't afford to pay for them. So they've got no Gazprom money money coming in. No, so they can't afford it. It's, it's odd when that happens that you know Celtic can out outpay some, you know. You know it's a bit weird, isn't it? I know. Not often that happens. What other any other positions you think we need to strengthen? I'd say, and this is a story that just came out today. I can't remember his name. I think his name is like Vinicius something. But apparently we are targeting. Yeah, apparently we're targeting a Brazilian like holding midfielder. So. That's kind of just came out this morning. Um, so I definitely need like a holding midfielder. I think in a lot of games this season, we've kind of missed like not Scott Brown, but that Scott Brown, Victor Wanyama type of player where they sit and control the midfield and allow the other players to push on and we're not, you know, left open. Because I think in a lot of the games this season against Rangers, that's where they've kind of dominated. They've kind of dominated the midfield, and that's kind of been the story for the past few years. Rangers typically dominated the midfield, and that's where we've struggled. But the thing is, I think Idiguchi could maybe be that player because from what I've seen of him, the very small parts I've seen of him, he's not scared to put in a tackle. He's good with the ball at his feet. He's got some good distribution, and he's a worker. And I think. I think we would have seen a lot more of him this season. Just it was on the end of that absolute shock and challenge in that game against Dallow in the cup. So that kind of put him out of commission for a little while. I think talking about that and the balances, Andrew's always said he wants to have two players for every position. So say yeah. if you bring in, we've lost Biton, you've got yeah. Gucci there. So we need someone for that that number six role because I rather McGregor playing as an eight than able to push on. So if you've got your options are if you've got Turnbull and O'Reilly as your as your tens in up in the mm-hmm. as your attacking midfielders, you've got your eights as Hatate and McGregor, and then you've got a sixes as that Vinicius Souza and Itaguchi. There's options. That's and they're all slightly different. So it'll allow us to rotate with the amount of games we play and the high intensity, how hard we press. It's actually gonna give us options on who we can rotate and okay, Calmac, you played two games in a row. You, you know, you can have a game off now. Don't worry about it. Rio's got you covered. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Susie, you've played well here, but we're playing away, away against Ross County on the weekend. Uh, we'll give you the game off and we'll put, you know, we'll put Itaguchi in. It lets you rotate. It's great. It's something that Rangers the last two years, this is why they've done well in Europe for me, is they've had a squad where, if someone's out, next man up. They've got two at every position. Now, I'm not saying their players are good or they're, they're better than what we've got. It's just that they've had that that depth in their squad where it's next man up and you don't lose much from, say, if Goldson goes out and you put Bassey in, you're not losing much. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing we need to get to because for us last season, if Kel McGregor had to come out, who'd you have to play the defensive midfield role? You either had to go with Bitton. Or you oh had to God. go with sorrow. There's a massive yeah. drop. But yeah, that, yeah, I kind of think like that's also the benefit of like majority of their squad has been there for like a good few years as well. So they're really gelled in, and they know like they'll know exactly like where to play, who to pass to. Like I think that's also how like the they arguably did like so well last season is like. They've had this base that they've built up, and it's it did take them a few years. I think Celtic will get to like that level like a lot quicker. Like this is completely off topic, but I think within the next five years, Celtic will win a European League trophy. The next five years, whether right. it's the con- whether it's the Conference League or whether it's Europa League, I think Celtic will win one because I think the the way that we're going. Like under the current manager, and you know the fact that we've got like the, I guess the quote unquote safety net, the Conference League, even though it didn't really didn't work out well this year. But you look at some of the teams in that, Celtic are more than capable of, of, of beating like a Feyenoord or you know a Bodo Glimt or you know a Leicester. 
Easy. That's the thing you mentioned, Birdo Glimp there. Why did they beat us? Because, because they just they've been together for three years. They're basically year three of Ange Ball. Mm-hmm. We're in year one. That's the way I look at it. Like, even though they're selling their better yeah. players, their system is embedded, their structures at the club are embedded. Everyone mm-hmm. knows if I get the ball in this area, I'm going to have passes here, here, here. Pressure releases over that side of me. If I've got this, this is when I've got to go and press. This is when I've got to hold back. They just know it because it's a structure, it's ingrained in the club. Give it another two seasons, and that's maybe the yeah. end of this, and that's where we'll be at. I've got a funny feeling that if their third goal never went in on the in the first tie, I think we could have came back and maybe equalised. And I think it would have been a completely different story, you know, playing them away, despite the fact it was in like minus 10 degrees weather and it was, you know, like, like in the middle of the bloody Arctic Circle. I think it would have been a much different game. But yeah, they're, they're really well put together side. And I think everybody was like making like like trying to like take the piss and that just you know he's got a beautiful Wi-Fi password blah 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 all that hoaching part. But you know they gave Roma like you know the team that won the competition an absolute doing. You know they absolutely tasted them because yeah. they're a well put together side and they've got decent players. You know just because that's the thing with the the guys coming up from the J League this season just because you never heard of them doesn't mean they're not good players. You know, that can do a good job against, you know, good opposition. You know, look at Kyogo. Kyogo's came in and he's an absolute sensation. And he's only played technically half season because he was injured. Dyson in Maida's like the reincarnation of the Roadrunner. <laughs> and it's like, Rio <laughs> Hatai, despite the fact he's dipped in, dipped out, absolutely grabbed Rangers by the balls in the 2nd of January. And absolutely humped them and just strutted out the park like it was the maestro. So it's you know it's just these players who you've maybe not heard of who maybe coming from these leagues that may not be seen as the most fashionable can you know get the job done. And I think Angie's got a good eye for that as well because he's alluded to that before. That's one thing we're starting to see as well over here. Like there's been a, a batch of young Australian guys signed with, with Scottish clubs in the last couple of weeks, like. You've got Hearts have signed um, Kai Rouse. I think that's how his name said. Plays for the Socceroos. He's one of our best up-and-coming centre-backs. So they've signed him. They've got Atkinson last last window as well. He's quality. Hibs have gone and signed a couple of guys as well this week. So it's like you're starting to see more and more Australians and the tie between Australian football and Scottish football, which has always mm-hmm. been there, starting to be strengthened. Those clubs are looking down here because it's a market they can afford players wages-wise and also it's an opportunity as a gateway into England, into into the continent. So yeah. it's, it's happening on that regard. It's the same with us. Like Nance has so much knowledge of the Japanese market, the Korean market, all through everywhere because of the four years he was with the Socceroos that all throughout Asia, he's going to be able to pluck players here, there and everywhere. And these links at Citigroup as well. He's going to find good players. He's done it already. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where we're at in 12 months' time. But yeah. I think we'll uh, leave the squad talk there because I can, we can, you and me could just keep talking about this for another two hours easy. Probably. But we'll get to the fun stuff to round up towards the end of it. So the last, uh, we've got four questions for you. This is my, these are my favourite ones to ask. So, Connor, who would your all-time favourite Celtic player be other than Henrik Larsson, okay? And why? Right. The um this is a that's a, such a difficult question because you know your automatic answer is always in it last one. But well, I put that one in there. Other than Henry, because it's so obvious. I know. Um For me it's Paul McStay. I'll just say my answer to buy is in thinking time. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with this is probably maybe once maybe a little bit outside the box, but I'm gonna go with Arthur Boric. Nice. Holy goalie. What a Yeah, legend. holy goalie. I think he just like and it wasn't even because he was an absolute class goalie, you know, there's so many times where he like pulled out these massive like European performances, saving penalties, you know, and, and penalty shootouts and things like that, and you know, absolutely like gathering it on like the very like last ball here of the line and uh, just absolutely like bossing it. But it was just an absolute fucking maniac and I just loved him for it. Like That's he, just, what I love. 
Like he's that, like crazy, you know. Like he's, you know, he was walking about with a God bless the Pope T-shirt and like just wouldn't shake any Rangers player's hand and that. And like, like I'm not bitter. Like I'm, like I know it sounds, but I'm not like bitter. I just think seeing that, like especially like in like the modern like day and age in football, is like absolutely class because you don't see, like you see a lot of football now. And it's all like nice and icy, you know. I filled you. I'll give you a wee hand and I'll pick you up. No, I just like no. Arthur Boris filled a player. He'd probably go and stamp on their ankle as well. Do you know what I mean? It's just like I remember give him a spray. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that like he's he's kind of like this iconic figure at Celtic because of like his personality and because he was larger than life, and. It's the same with him at like a Warsaw. He's like the what the ultras gave him a bloody sword for God's sake. You know, part of his contribution to the team. You know, and that's an ultras group giving that to him. You know, it was there like Ibrox playing Rangers. I know the game didn't exactly go the way, but it was in the crowd with a megaphone that going absolutely tonto. So I think just him like embodying like the club and just you know. Being large, being this larger than life figure that kind of like stood in between sticks and kind of like put the fear of God into like defenders, even if they were one and uh, sorry, um, put the fear of God into like strikers now, even if they're one and one against them because like he'd more than likely save the ball. So, yeah. also, really I give a to Scott Brown as well, just for being like an absolute legend at the club for everything he did, everything he won. It's a good shout though with um Arthur Burridge because for me I always love my goalkeepers absolutely mental like mm-hmm. they've got to be insane. There's no point if you got a goalkeeper like Barkas who's just so quiet and unassuming. Mm-hmm. It just gives me the fear. If you got a goalkeeper who is a screw loose, is a little bit nuts, I'm like okay, he could he could as easily as clear that cross coming in the box or punch the attacker right in the face and get a red mm-hmm. card. Either option's a good one for us because their striker's going to go to the bench as well. Uh-huh. So it's good for me. I agree with you on that. It's a good, good shout. Now, this one, we can play this one two ways for you. Next one is, who would your top five Celtic players be that you've seen play in your lifetime? Now, we can either go just a list of five players or you can pick a five-a-side team. So a goalkeeper, a defender, two midfielders and a striker. There are your two options. Which way do you want to go? Uh, oh, I think we'll just have to pick five players. Um, so I think one would be Henrik Larson, obviously, even though I was only a baby when he was playing. So, you know, um, so I didn't like see much of him. Only seen you know, seen it as I was getting older and he was reaching at the end of his career. But still, he was an absolute like a king man, just boss. That was the best player this league's ever seen by a mile. I think. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna say Tom Rogic because he's done things on the ball and for like the thing. This is the thing I don't think a lot of people get with Tom Rogic is like. He's a big guy, like he's really big, like he's really tall, he's really strong, and for a guy of that size to be able to have that level of ball control and you know being able to dribble past players like they're nothing is really like special, and it doesn't happen a lot. You know, I think Tom Rogers would be able to keep a beach ball off you inside a phone box. You know, he's he's that good, and I think. As time goes on, I think I think he's a modern day Celtic legend. Some people might not agree with me, but I think he definitely qualifies. Um so yeah, he's definitely one. Um Big Virgil, Virgil Van Dyke. Absolutely squished that in the league. I think he's just I think the a lot of people criticise Van Dyke because he looks really like aloof and he looks like he doesn't kinda of like care, he kinda of just trots about. But I think it's just because he's so good. Like he's, he's that good that he knows how he made the league look easy. Ah, yeah, he made the league look easy. I think that's how now that we've had a bunch of like Premier League players, you know, kind of like, you know, get the bit between their teeth and say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go down to Scotland, the boss it, and then they absolutely get made to look like idiots because they come down here and they can't hack it. Yeah. But, um, so Virgil, um, Arthur Boric, I'll put Arthur Boric in there for goalkeeper. 
Um, so that's going four. And oh, well, it looks like you're doing a five-a-side team, so it means you can go in like, or midfielder, or you can just go all out attack. You know, one, yeah. one goalkeeper, one defender, one midfielder. Give Rogic two guys to feed it to. There you go. Good options. <laughs> hey, oh. I'll go. I was going to go with Calmac, but everybody already knows how good Calmac is, and people have been giving him praises all season. I think I'm going to go with. Uh... Right, this is this is my be, be like be mental, like because he's just here. But I'm going to go with Kyogo. I know that's crazy because he's just here, but I'm going to go for it. I'm I'm just reacting like this because I'm like, can you imagine? If you were playing like a normal lineup, full eleven players, and you had a striker partnership of Kyogo and the King of Kings, ah, oh, yeah, that'd be absolutely <laughs> honestly what fifty goals a season each. That that would be some sexual football. That's the only way I can explain it. It's like unbelievable. But that's the thing is that a lot of people forget is like Henry played with like another cent, like another forward. Like he either played with. Chris Sutton or like you know like John Hartson and stuff like that. Like they did play together, you know. Yeah, he so he the partner. Yeah, he played as the smaller guy in the pair. So mm. yeah, it's um, that's good. Good five. So your your team, we've got Boric in goals, Van Dyke as a defender, Rogic in the midfield, Larson and Kiago up front. There's your five-a-side team. Yeah. You're going the old Ange ball. You know, score if you. <laughs> You're gonna concede yeah. five. You're gonna score six. Happy days. I know. Now, what are some of your most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play, and what is so memorable about those games to you? Um. Okay. I think the obvious one is Barcelona at Celtic Park. Yep. Because I think that is just. Like, I wasn't personally at the game. You know, I would have, like, given my life ball up to be at that game. But, um... What a lot of fun, though. That's the real question here. <laughs> um, I just... It was... We were under the cost so much in that game. And you see all of these pictures going around. They're, like, the they made up, like, stats. You know, like, minus 20%, like, possession. And, like, they had, like, 105 shots on target and stuff like that. And we had, like... Thousand corners, yeah, like which, like when you think about it, you watch the game, would be far off, but I think like we just we just like had like the will to win, and that's the thing under like Lenny, especially at that point, was like that was when like Lenny's always been a bit mental, but that was when like he kind of had like the screw loose and he kind of just had it, and the players like go out and think they could beat no matter who it was they played. And the thing I'll always remember about it more than so the actual game was like the commentary as soon as Tony Watt scored and I think it was what Ian Crocker was going this is the stuff of legends because it was and that game will be remembered like an all time as one of the great Champions League results and no one can tell me otherwise and I also remember like speaking to my dad about it after it and he said like it turned around to me as soon as the full whistle went and he went do you realise like what's just happened? He goes, you'll never see that ever again. Because it's one of those, uh, what were you doing moments? Where were yeah. you? Where you watch the game from moments for me? I was on my couch. I remember exactly where I was on my couch, getting ready for work, and with what was happening, I messaged my boss saying, hey, "I'm going to be in late. Oh, I just won't have a lunch break today. Stayed to watch the game because I couldn't couldn't leave the TV." Mm-hmm. Like with Celtic beat arguably the best football inside the world's ever seen in yeah. that Barcelona side. And, you know, and that's, like, something to, like, be proud of, like, forever. Because, you know, it's, like, as much as that Champions League um, uh, didn't go too well that season, it still gave us one of the most iconic games, I think, you'll see in football. Yeah, 100%. Have to agree with you on that. Got any other games you want to bring up, or he's happy to leave it yeah. at that one? I'll go for like two more, and the album, you know, I'll play the crowd. We'll make the next two against Rangers. Um, I think the five-one game 
where we just absolutely pasted them. That was a game where like um, Mikel Lustig scored and he like you know like he ran his top off and like got like a yellow card. I think just that was like like that. This was at a point in time where like I never ever feared playing Rangers because then they would just absolutely blitz them every game. Every game we played them, I'm like I don't care about playing Rangers. We'll fucking beat them anyway because they're absolutely gash. And I don't think I think they've improved a lot, but I don't think they're as good as what people make them out to be, despite the fact that it's the European final. I don't, like, I'm not gonna give them like the credit of this like absolute world class side because like the fact is like they could go beat Borussia Dortmund, but then they'll go get beat off first count the next game week, you know. Barcelona don't go and beat Real Madrid and then get beat like off like Granada the week later when they were at their peak. So, but like a person, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um. So, and also I'll go with a recent one, the three 0 game, and I think because that one was at night time, oh, and we've not we've not had a game like that in a long time, like a night time derby, um, and I think that that was some of the best football I think I've ever seen Celtic play in my lifetime. They talk and about Champions League nights at Celtic Park. There's something mm-hmm. about paradise under lights of a night. And then you combine the, the derby and the result and how it all worked. You put it all together, like that whole situation, and it's just some sort of some sort of game. It's one I will remember for a long time. I know. It was like it was almost like a game of FIFA at some points where you had one player who played the game for um, absolutely like for like years and you had someone who uh, like had just picked up the console that day <laughs> because we absolutely just pasted them and it was this crazy crazy result but like no I don't think people were confident going into it to an extent but I don't think anyone expected that especially when the new guys like especially Atai just turned up they just kind of was like right okay this is a game I'm going to absolutely announce myself you know because you had, you even had like you know, people who uh, react to like you know the Premier League team should do those like live streams and that like that Diddy Mark Goldbridge had like him, but he was like reacting to it and watching it and was like praising Celtic and saying, was even saying before he goes oh that Hattie gets a good write up we'll have a look at him and even he was going this guy is absolutely class. But yeah, just everything from like the TIFO at the start. I mean, like I had that saved on my profile for like, months because I think that's going to be iconic as well. That'll be one of the iconic TIFOs that we'll have. Uh, the we send them back to hell, boys. That one, that was good. Um, from the result, you know, just absolutely bossing them in every area of the pitch. You know, like from set the defense right up to attack. Like they never got like a chance on the ball. They got one. Um, a chance and it was that Ryan Jack shot and the funny thing is is when you go back and watch the highlights on like Sky and stuff as you know a lot of it's like I think it was Ian Crocker or was Andy Walker no, I think it was Andy Walker and, and, right so the commentator was like just it was all Celtic all Celtic and then that one shot comes off Ryan Jack and that's the one and only time in the entire commentary we could be here Ali McCoy's pipe up <laughs> just that one shot of Ryan Jack <laughs> Oh, how great is somebody gets all he's gets all excited. I'm like, dude, look at the scoreboard. I know. I just think it's actually I like Alan Coist. I think he's like a sound guy. I think he's quite funny. I really like him on like the Scotland commentary as well. I think he brings like a lot. He's really fair and balanced. So I don't think he's like a bad guy at all. He's not like certain other you know ex their players who are just you know absolutely just seethe and like being bitter and being absolutely horrible. But I think he's actually a decent guy to be honest. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay, last question for you, Connor. Who would be the one player, other than Messi and Ronaldo, that you mm-hmm. have seen play in your lifetime and you wish that Celtic would sign them? Just look at it. No, no budget issues. Doesn't matter how much they'd cost. Doesn't matter what their wages would be. None of that. Put all that to the side. It's complete. Like, if we were, you know, owned by... You know, some royal family with oil money. Who would be the one player that you've seen in your lifetime, other than Messi and Ronaldo, that you want Celtic to sign? Um, 
I'm going to go with Kaka. Nice. I think just the things he could do on the ball and like the shots he could take, just how he absolutely bossed the midfield about the place, like was sublime. And I don't, I don't think you'll see a player like Kaka again in a very, very long time. I also, think every time we do, I ask this question. I always come up with a different player that I'll throw out here for your opinion on them, but. Because you said Kaka, and I'm straight away, first thing that pops into my head, him beating the ball to AC Milan, Andre Shevchenko. I'll take him. Oh, and yeah. Mm. Have that combo. We'll, we'll bring him in. I'll take my player. You take your player. Bang. Done. Happy days. Suddenly, <laughs> the 90s and early 2000s won't be such a weird weird time for Celtic. Before yeah. Martin, you all got there. I know. I think we were the one ten at all at that team. Yeah, brilliant. All right, Connor, thanks for jumping on and doing this Tim Talk podcast. Really appreciate your time and enjoyed having a chat with you. Now, if anyone watching, listening, wants to give Connor a follow on Twitter, it is at ConnorCar2. Get on there, give him a follow. Good bloke, knows his stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks again. Hail, hail, and hit that subscribe button, everyone. <laughs>